knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned is not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals, and I have Angela here as my co-host, as Ashley is still out, and we have a special episode today. We're going to be talking to Carrie, and she is uh, she is an ex-Mormon. I don't, I'm not exactly sure, Carrie, how you like to be. <laughs> um referred to but um before we kind of get started and i'll tell you so many people are excited about this episode and i think primarily because you know how it is because you probably hear it all the time carrie so many people have uh friends and family and loved ones that are mormons and they're trying to understand it and trying to understand how to share the gospel with them and and i think hearing your story is going to be just very encouraging and we can talk a little bit too just about how to share the gospel but before we kind of dig into it why don't you just share a little bit about yourself okay um well yes i'm an ex-mormon i I identify myself probably as an ex-Mormon Christian. Um, it's not something I generally reveal to any Christian when I first meet them, um, just because there is a lot of misconceptions out there about Mormonism, and I typically don't like to have five million questions thrown at me when I first meet someone. <laughs> um but so my religious background is I was born into and raised in Mormonism. My mother was not raised Mormon. She was raised in the Church of Christ um, denomination. Oh, wow. And she, yeah. And she converted to Mormonism when she was 16 because my grandfather, her father, was converting hmm. to Mormonism from Church of Christ. Because he had met a Mormon woman and they became engaged, but she refused to marry him unless he converted. So he went through the missionary lessons and then he took the Moroni 10 challenge that was presented to him to pray about it. So he prayed about it. He received what he thought was affirmation that it was the true church. So he converted. And my mom did with him, and my mom's twin sister did as well. Um, so then my mother 
when she was 18, was going to a certain ward here in Southern California, and she met my grandparents because my grandfather was the bishop of the ward. They introduced her to my father. So that is how I came to be a Mormon. Um, on my father's side, it is a very multi-generational Mormon family. We go all the way back to the founding of the Mormon church. And my great, great, great grandfather was Martin Harris, one of the, one of the three witnesses. And mm. he's also the one that funded the publication of the Book of Mormon, the original 1830 Book of Mormon. Wow. So that's, yeah, that's my history. Uh, steeped in Mormonism. Um, you know, I, my family on my father's side are all still Mormon. Um, my family on my mother's side, like I said, my mom converted, her twin sister converted. They were the only ones of my mother's siblings. It's just the two of them who converted with my grandfather. Um, the other siblings that my mom had did not. So nobody on my mom's side is now Mormon. Um, my siblings are not Mormon anymore. Um, they subscribe to different various belief systems. Um, not really Christian. So that is my background. And um, my great, gr my grandfather on my father's side, he was a state patriarch. Uh, we were a very Mormon family, very religious, very faithful. My parents both held callings, even though we moved all around the country constantly because my father was in the Navy. Um, we observed the word of wisdom. I personally had the perfect Mormon testimony all growing up. And so that was our background. That is a really... Um intense amazing background actually um i wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how you came to christ carrie okay so that's a very long story so i'll try and keep it brief um like i said we were very involved very believing um i personally very much believed that Mormonism was true, that Joseph Smith was a true prophet, that the Book of Mormon was true, that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was the one true church, and that Jesus is the Savior. That is the fundamental Mormon testimony, and that is what I had from the time that I was very little. Um, I did not question any of that. Um, when I was six, I was in primary, which is kind of the equivalent of children's church in Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, so I was in primary, and we were watching a film, and the narrator at one point, and this is a very vivid memory for me, but the narrator at one point of this film said that when you will die, if you are not Mormon, you go to hell. And immediately in my mind, I heard this very loud, booming voice. And all it said to me was one thing. And that was, that's not true. God doesn't do that. 
And mm. I didn't question the voice. I answered the voice in my mind. I answered the All he said was, oh, okay. I just accepted what it said as, as fact. I didn't question that. Then I continued on in my, in my life and my childhood and my teenage years believing, believing Mormonism. And then when I was 12, my parents divorced and I still believed, my mother still believed. We still went to church every Sunday. Um, we left where we were living at the time, which was West Virginia. And we moved back out here to California and because this is where my mother grew up. And um, we were still going to um, our ward, you know, attending meetings every Sunday, very faithful. My mom was um, experiencing a lot of ostracization due to the fact that she was divorced. Mm. And that, that occurred when we lived in West Virginia, but I wanted to very much still believed. I still believed, so we take my brother go. And very active. We had friends who were Mormon that I babysat for them, and and um, they were kind of like my adopted Mormon family. And when I was almost sixteen, I went in for my worthiness interview with my bishop of my ward, because in Mormonism at the time, at least culturally when i was growing up you didn't date until you were 16. so and then before you could start dating you had to get basically you know an all clear from your bishop <laughs> stating that you know you were chaste you were pure you were a believer you you could do this so i went in for my worthiness interview and my bishop um accused me of basically he accused me of not being a virgin. He accused me of inciting lustful thoughts in the boys and men of the congregation and of wow. the Lord. And um, called me a harlot <laughs> and wow. a couple other names. And I was very upset. And I stood up and I just, I was crying and I yelled at him and <laughs> I told him, I am a virgin and you need to talk to the other teens in this ward because they're the ones who are not. And they're the ones that are drinking. They're the ones that are smoking. They're the ones that are smoking pot. And I'm not doing any of those things. And I, I left and I went home. I walked all the way home, two miles, crying. I walked in the door, and my mom looked at me, and she said, what happened? And I told, I look, I just looked at her. I said, I'm not going back, and you can't make me. So mm. that was when I left. I still believed. And I did not stop believing until I was about 22. And that was when I had married, I had children, I was living in Italy due to my then husband's military service. I went to the library one day on base to pick out a book. And I happened to come across a book by a um, woman who she was Mormon. And she wrote about her life in Mormonism and out of Mormonism and things that happened to her while she was in. 
And this book is called Secret Ceremonies, A Mormon Woman's Intimate Diary of Marriage and Beyond. And she, in that book, she wrote about the secret marriage sealing ceremonies in the temple. And exactly, and she, she wrote it in detail because the sealing ceremony in the temple is considered to be very sacred in Mormonism. You swear an oath that you will not reveal the details of this sacred sealing ceremony. And she did. And when I read that, and she also talked a little bit about the history of Joseph Smith and the history of Mormonism, and I cried. That was what made me not believe in Mormonism anymore mm-hmm. was because I read these things in this book and it was the opposite of what I had been taught. And so I cried for three days. <laughs> so that's when, that's when I, I realized that Mormonism was not true. So at that point, you know, I'm in my early twenties, I'm married, I have children. Um, I started to descend into agnosticism and then into atheism. Then I got divorced, and a year later, met a guy, and we had a child, And but his family was Christian, and his oldest sister was a very strong believer, <laughs> and she and I developed a really close relationship, and she started, she and I would have these really long conversations every single weekend, hours and hours on end. And we would debate because by that time I was a very strong atheist and we would debate about God and the nature of God, the character of God, whether or not he existed. And this went on for three years. So at the end of this three year period, I was, um, home alone one night, my, my son, who was two and a half at the time, or had just turned two, he was asleep in bed and I was reading a book. And in this book, a character, it was a fictional book, a character described who they were before Christ. And this just short, tiny little paragraph just jumped off the page at me, like as if in 3d. And I recognized myself in it. And I dropped my book. I gasped. <laughs> I dropped the book. <laughs> and I just sat back. And I said, you know what, God, I I don't even believe that you're real. I don't believe that you exist. So you're going to have to prove it to me. So I'm not going to do it anymore. You're going to do it. And you're going to prove to me that you're real. So that's how. And that was seven and a half years ago, eight years ago, something like that. <laughs> Wow, that's that's amazing. Now, did you did you have any Christians in your life that that spoke the gospel to you that could can kind of direct you into sound theology and Christianity? Not until that woman, my my son's aunt. So it was not. I did not hear the gospel message. The true gospel message. I never heard it until I was um, 34 years old. Wow. That is amazing. Right. Right. Yeah. Never heard it. 
um, the only gospel, quote unquote gospel that I heard um, throughout my life was what the um, LDS doctor teaches as the gospel, mm. which is different. What do they the say? Do they, do they use the term gospel like this is the gospel? Yes. Yes, they do use the term gospel, the gospel of Christ or the gospel of the Savior. But in LDS doctrine and LDS theology and belief and practice, the gospel generally means it incorporates the doctrine of eternal families. Mm. So the gospel is not limited to what the Bible says the gospel is, which is that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. That is the gospel message that, you know, because of that, he went to the cross, took sins of the world upon himself, died, was buried, rose again on the third day. That's the gospel as laid out in the Bible. But in Mormonism, the gospel is added to with the doctrine of eternal families that you can live for eternity with your family. Mm. Is it true? I've heard before that, um, that um, Mormons believe in grace and that we're saved by grace. But what they actually mean is that grace doesn't really start until you've done everything that you can. Is that part of what, how they view the gospel? Right. So that comes from the book of Nephi and the book of Mormon. And um, that quote is, we are saved by grace after doing all that we can do. So, yes, they believe in grace, but God's grace covers what you cannot do for yourself. Mm-hmm. So you have to do everything that you could do first. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I like to ask when I am speaking with a believing Mormon is, um, well, how do you know when you've done everything that you can do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, how do you know? Because you don't, you know, if you spend, uh, you know, a couple hours at the movies, um, have you really done all that you can do? Because you could have spent that couple of hours you know, yeah. witnessing to a non-Mormon. So do yeah. they... Do they have any way of having any kind of assurance? No. There mm. there is no assurance in Mormonism is not a big deal. Mm. It is not a big deal to not have assurance of mm. your salvation. They believe okay, like if I follow the 10 commandments and I follow the word of wisdom, then my assurance is that I will make it to the one of the 3 kingdoms of heaven that's my assurance um Mm. goal the goal post the thing to aim for is the celestial kingdom because that is where god elohim because they refer to god as elohim rather than yahweh elohim dwells in the celestial kingdom and so that's the goal but not every Mormon will make it to the celestial kingdom because not every Mormon is worthy of the celestial kingdom, but they will find Mormons who are okay with that. 
They're, hmm. they're okay with not making it. They're like, you know what? I'm going to one of the three and I'm good with that. So assurance is not a big deal for them like it is for Christians. Like we have assurance. We know we have assurance. It is a big deal to us to have assurance, mm-hmm. but it is not a big deal for Mormons, whether okay. or not they have it. So one thing um, that I have heard from people that have come out of Mormonism is just how difficult it is because mm-hmm. they often lose friends and family. And so was that the case for you? Were there things that when you, and I know that you kind of came out and then became a Christian later, but even right. in both of those things, leaving the Mormon church and then now being a Christian, are there things that you've had to kind of sacrifice in regards to family and maybe some relationships with Mormon friends? Absolutely. Um, you know, ex-Mormons, we discussed this a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, you know, everybody's experience is different. So I also, I don't want to claim to speak for all of Mormonism because I don't. And I don't want to claim to speak for all of <laughs> Christendom because I don't. Um, and I don't want to claim to speak for all ex-Mormons because I don't. There's so many, it's like a spectrum and there's so many different experiences. But um, by and large, some of the common difficulties for us to leave um, are the culture because it is so we're so steeped in it. It is its own separate culture outside of mainstream society and um, kind of similar to what a lot of people may experience who are um, Islamic or believe in Islam Um, because all of your friends are Mormon. All of your family is Mormon. Um, You know, your job, your coworkers can be all Mormon. And so all of these things are at stake for you in your life. So to leave can be really, really difficult for me. I left, you know, at a pretty young age, Um, It wasn't difficult for me to leave in that sense, but it has put a strain on my relationships with my believing Mormon family. Um, We don't really talk a lot. And when we do, it's just very superficial. Um, There's not a lot of of talking on the deep subjects of life. And, you know, and part of the reason for that, too, is because of a big Mormon belief is that um, if you do discuss these big topics of life, that um, it can be contentious and contention is of, is of the devil. So if I were to start talking about this with my believing family, then I am of the devil. (laughs) Um, So there's that. Um, Wow. Yeah. So and that probably so, even prevents people that are Mormons from even questioning. Like, yes, you know, is, like I can yes. go to my pastor and say, I am really having a difficult time understanding this and I'm questioning this doctrine. And, but I would think that a Mormon, if you come and you start questioning things, then you're going to be seen as contentious. 
Yes, absolutely. A lot of ex-Mormons do experience that a lot where they start questioning or they have a question about a doctrine and they're not even necessarily questioning um, the faith as a whole. They just are having a problem with a particular thing and they go to their bishop. A lot of times their bishop reacts to them as if they are being contentious. Mm. Um, Not always, but a lot. And so the typical response from a bishop will be, you know, well, you just need to pray about it. You just need to ask the Holy Ghost to affirm this for you. There's really not a lot of discussion about doctrine. There certainly is not debate. You know, in Christianity, I discovered this grand tradition (laughs) of (laughs) debating each other, you know, in love and not in argumentation as if from, um, you know, anger or malice or anything, but I discovered that and it was so liberating for me. So I was <laughs> like, wait, what? We can talk about this. This is <laughs> awesome <laughs> because in Mormonism, you just, you can't, you can't, you cannot wow. question, you cannot question your leaders. That's the key thing is you do not question your leaders. There's a, there's a saying in Mormonism and that's follow the prophet. And so what the prophet says goes, you know, the interesting thing that we find now in, in Mormonism, current Mormonism is there's this kind of shift away from that age old idea of follow the prophet. And people are kind of starting to not hold everything that the prophet says as 100% truth, which is kind of odd to me (laughs) yeah i'm curious right now carrie um you're you're saying the the saying follow the prophet and i'm having a question in my mind so i'm wondering if maybe some of our listeners would have the same question when they say Uh follow the prophet are they talking about joseph smith specifically or are there living people today that they would call a prophet yes and yes (laughs) okay (laughs) So follow the prophet. This the complicate matter. Smith, <laughs> right? Joseph Smith and every prophet, unless okay, a prophet had a revelation that was then countered by a subsequent revelation by a subsequent prophet. <laughs> oh, yeah, confusing. Because right. the thing. <laughs> I know, I know it is confusing to Christians, it is, Um, because the thing to understand about Mormonism that is so different from Christianity is that in Mormonism, Mormonism is not a codified, systematic set of beliefs the way it is in Christianity. Mormonism does not hold to a closed canon. They believe in ongoing general revelation from Mm. God to the prophets and ongoing personal revelation Mm. as received from the Holy ghost and which would be our Holy spirit, the Holy ghost, but also in the form of visitations from spiritual beings, such as dead family members, etc. So there's a multifacet here where Things are not closed. It is Mm. not codified. It is open Mm. still today. Wow. So 
you know that you hear this question all the time. And so I'm gonna, I, I'm sure you hear it, I'm, I'm just assuming. But for those that have Mormon loved ones, do you have any advice or encouragement on the best way to approach them and share the gospel? Yes. So yes, that is a question I hear constantly from Christians who are who have never been Mormon, uh, whether or not they have Mormon people in their lives, um, is, you know, how can I witness to Mormons? So number one, the number one thing I say is, first of all, this is not a 30-second conversation um, because there's a lot to it. And if they are looking for a magic silver bullet, you know, thing to say, you're not going to find it. Um, the best way to talk about Christianity versus Mormonism, etc., with a believing Mormon is to one, just engage them in conversation. Just have conversations with them. Don't look at them as projects. Look at them as people who have a certain set of beliefs. And don't assume that you know what their beliefs are. Ask them if they say, I believe that Joseph Smith is the one true prophet. Okay, why do you believe that to be true? And listen to their responses and ask them more questions and listen and ask more questions. It's really about asking questions, digging deep, getting down to the core of their beliefs so that you have understanding. And then at that point, I would say, you know, then you can discuss the gospel with them. You can just, you know, ask them, who do you think Jesus is? You know, who is he? And see what they say and continue to ask them more questions of, on that topic before talking about the Christian view of Jesus, because they are two different things. So that's just one example. Um, my other tip is to always, always keep in mind 1 Peter 3.15, that we are to sanctify Christ's Lord in our hearts, that we are to always be ready to give an answer for those who ask what our hope is and that we are to do it. This is the most important thing to remember with gentleness and respect, because that is the one thing that you will find many um, Mormons say about Christians and that I personally see with Christians is that they don't do it with gentleness and respect. And we have to. Because these are living, breathing people. That's that's such a great encouragement. And I, the other thing I was thinking about when you were talking, and we have an evangelism episode that aired before this. And one thing we talked about is developing relationships with people. And I like how you said, mm -hmm. don't see them as a project. I have a Mormon in my life. And, you know, it's a, I'm in it for the long haul with, with her. Mm -hmm. to, to um, yes. ask questions, to answer questions. We've had times where we both have our Bibles out and she's asking questions of me. And I think Perfect. having those relationships and 
and remembering that we are an example of Christ, not just in the words that we say, but in in our interactions, in showing love, in showing gentleness and respect. I think that's that's so important because we all know that person that's just the Bible thumper, that's just banging, you know, everyone over the head with with their beliefs and not not showing basic Christian charity, not not approaching them with gentleness and respect. So I love that you said that. Yes, absolutely. And that's one of the things I will say was my experience um, as a Mormon growing up and then also as an ex-Mormon was I cannot tell you how many times Christians would beat me over the head with a Bible. Mm. And as a Mormon, I was very confused by this because I was like, what are you doing? I believe in Jesus too. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I did not see or know or anything about that there was any difference. Mm. You know, I really thought that I was following Jesus. And so for Christians to do that, it was just, it was very hurtful. And truly all it did was push me away from Mm. God. It pushed me away from God. You know what I'm thinking about, Kiri? The way that you talked about um, your experience in the Mormon church with your bishop and harsh, harsh treatment. Um, Mm -hmm. I love what you're talking about with gentleness um, and being in it for the long haul and conversation, because if we can do that, that should draw a really um, big contrast between the experience that they're having from their leadership within the church, within the Mormon church, and what they what they should see from Christians should be the opposite. Absolutely. Absolutely. Christian behavior and Christian conversation should be a 180 from what commonly occurs within Mormonism with between Mormon to Mormon interpersonal relationships Mm. and interactions. Mm. Because oftentimes, and you will hear ex-Mormons say this a lot, is that they were constantly feeling like they were constantly being judged by mm-hmm. their LDS counterparts and, you know, and any, any Mormon nowadays. And I, again, I do not want to mischaracterize Mormons or LDS theology or anything in any way. Um, you know, LDS will say, you know, oh, we're not judgmental. We're not judgmental. And I know that they truly believe that, that they're not judgmental. Um, but oftentimes if you talk to any ex-Mormon, they will tell you, you know, yes, I very much was judged harshly by Mm. my Mormon counterparts. And it's with little things like, um, you know, you go to sacrament meeting and you notice that a particular person, um, didn't partake of the sacrament that Sunday and you're in your mind going, oh, well, why didn't they partake of the sacrament? Because, you know, as a Mormon, that if you did not partake of the sacrament, it's because you did something wrong. Mm. So it's just, it's little things like that. Mm. Um, But yeah, Mormon or Christian behavior and Christian language should be the exact opposite. We really should reflect the love and the truth that Jesus did when he spoke. Mm. You know, we, we wanted to ask you, 
um, how do Mormons see Christians? You've kind of talked about that a little bit. Is there anything else that you think Mormons generally see and think about Christians? Um, yeah. Um, probably one of the biggest perceptions that Mormons have of Christians um, in general, and this is a theological standpoint, is that Mormons see Christians as being, you know, evangelical Protestant Christians that, and Catholics too, that um, we just don't have the fullness of the truth. We also follow the Savior. Um, the same, they fully believe that we follow the same Savior as them, but that we don't have the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of the truth. That the church, at some point after Jesus established it, apostatized and God removed these key truths from the church and withheld them until a certain time, which was the time of Joseph Smith to receive this fullness of truth and reestablish Christ's church on earth. Until he returns. So that is a, a major difference in how Mormons see Christians. Um, that we lack additional revelation that comes from the prophets and the Mormon text. That it's incomplete. Um, you know, one of the things that Joseph Smith said that goes with this is that, um, and he said it, he wrote it in his history is that um, he at, he had asked, you know, which denomination should he join? And he was told none of them because they were all wrong because their creeds were an abomination to God. So Whoa. that, yes. <laughs> so that is the Mormon view of Christians is that Christianity holds to these creeds, and these creeds are an abomination. Um, you know, Mormons may never say that they view Christians, the person, as an abomination, but they do view our belief in creeds as an abomination. And that it's corrupt. It's not pure, which is why they believe that... Um, the Bible is missing many plain and precious truths. So mm. that leads down the road of not being able to trust the Bible too. So wow. they, they, you know, they don't, they don't trust the Bible like we do because they believe it is corrupt. So that, so they do not understand our view of that. The Bible said it, that's it. You know, we believed in closed canon, closed revelation. They do not understand that. And that's one of the reasons why they think we don't we don't have the fullness. So do they what what do they think is going to happen to us when we die? Do they think that Christians will go to one of the better kingdoms? But you won't go to one of the better kingdoms. You'll go <laughs> to the first kingdom of heaven. Okay. At least not hell. Right. 
Right, right. No, you, you too, because you are a Christian and you do strive to live righteously, you will go to the terrestrial level. Um, I, however, being an ex Mormon, will not. <laughs> oh, because you have I, extra condemnation because you knew I, the yes. truth and rejected it. Yes, yes. And see, this is probably the key reason why it is difficult for Mormons to leave Mormonism is because Mm. when you question, when you stop believing, now you rejected the truth. You had the fullness of the truth and now you rejected it. You are now an apostate. So now you will go to utter darkness. So, okay. So then, and then other Mormons know that like an apostate is worse than just Angela and I, who um, have grown up Christians and came to Christ at young ages and stuff. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And as a matter of fact, if missionaries were to come knock on your door, they, they would be very excited to meet with you because, um, you know, you, you are a Christian, you are a believer, you do believe in God, you do believe in Jesus. And, and they would be very happy with that and, and, um, want to discuss, you know, the fullness with you and how you can have Mm. the additional knowledge that Mormonism teaches. Um, whereas with ex-Mormons, we we have to work really hard when we encounter, you know, Mormons, like Mormon missionaries or whatever, so that they they understand that we um you know we don't we don't hate them, we don't hate the church uh, at it, I think, than than non-Mormon Christians do. Mm. Except for they're not allowed to come to my house. <laughs> I got, oh. I got on the list or <laughs> well, whatever it is. Right <laughs> yeah. So I actually will watch them for years, for years and years. I will watch them go, um, you know, door to door and skip my house. <laughs> so, wow. That's a badge of honor. What yeah, did you well, do? Share the gospel? Well, I, I made a missionary question as faith. So. Oh, yeah. my. I will do it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do In it. fact, a Mormon, my sister's Mormon friend even told her um, that the missionaries are not allowed to talk to your sister anymore. <laughs> mm, right. Yeah, because they probably, um, well, they have to, you know, they have to report to their to their mission president on their activities. And um, so they re- they would have told them that. And so then they would have been forbidden after that to go there because, you know, they have to. Um, they have to try and keep these boys, um, you know, where where they're in a place where they can share their message. Mm. You know what's so. coming across to me right now? Um, it's a couple of different things that you said. It's just really coming across to me the the function of some of these doctrines in in maintaining a cult, basically. That um, if you question, our response is going to be something that's going to give you fear. Um, we've got this built-in doctrine that if you leave, you're, you're in the worst place possible now. Right. Um, you know, and if you, if you talk to somebody, you're as a missionary, I mean, we've got all these rules. You can't go here. You can't go there. We're watching out for who you can talk to. It just, uh, yes. would you call Mormonism a cult? I would say 
Yes, I would affirm it as a cult based on the clinical definition of a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you go look that up, then you can check off almost all the boxes regarding Mormonism. However, um, that is one of my tips. I would never, ever, ever tell it, say to a Mormon, you are in a cult. That mm-hmm. word is tossed about so frequently by non-Mormons to Mm -hmm. Mormons. It is very hurtful. It is very divisive. It does not draw them to Jesus, God, the Bible, nothing. It does not draw them. It only pushes them further away because they truly do not believe that they are in a cult and they don't believe that they are in a cult because it is one a very large organization. There's about 15 mm-hmm. million Mormons worldwide. And so they look at that and they're like, no, we're not a cult mm-hmm. because we're huge and we follow the Savior. They believe that they are a subsect of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so based on those two things, they don't believe they are in a cult. And so using that word should be stricken from every Christian's vocabulary. Because it would shut shut down the conversation. Absolutely. It shuts the door. It does not open. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that you have kind of referred to throughout, and when I asked in our group for questions, this is something that several people wanted to know about. You, you know, when we're talking about Jesus with the Mormon, we're not talking about the same Jesus. And, but there's other things too, where it seems like, we're talking about different things. So we're defining our terms differently. Are there, are there any things like that, that, that you can think of when, um, like I've even heard a Mormon try to explain the Trinity, for instance, and it's not at all what we believe the Trinity is, but what are some of those things that (laughs) kind of need to define to, to even have the conversation? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. When we are conversing with a Mormon or any person from a different belief system, that is one thing that we do need to do. We need to define terms, but especially in Mormonism, because they use so many terms that are Christian terms. They've appropriated a lot of Christian terms for their own language. So terms like grace, repentance, salvation, atonement, God, Jesus, you really have to ask them, what do you mean by that? When you say Mm -hmm. you believe in grace, what do you mean by that? When you say repentance, what do you mean by that? You know, any of those terms, you have to define everything. You cannot assume because as Christians, we will mentally place the Christian definition on that Mm -hmm. term. But it does not mean the same thing in Mormonism. Like, for example, the atonement. To a Christian, the atonement, that took place on the cross. Mm-hmm. To a Mormon, the atonement really took place in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. So you have to ask them when they talk about, oh, yes, we believe in the atonement. Okay, well, what do you believe the atonement is? What do you believe Jesus atoned for? Because it's different. So you have to ask those questions constantly and define the terms. 
Yeah, I love I love your emphasis on asking questions because I think that mm -hmm. is such a it's something that I've that I've often said when we're talking about sharing the gospel and and discussing things with people. You have the same thing with people who say, "Oh yeah, I'm a Christian," and you know that what they mean by that is they watch Joel Osteen on TV. You know, <laughs> right? And they've right. never actually trusted in Christ <laughs> for their salvation, and so. I love your emphasis on asking questions because I think that's a way to continue the conversation to say, yeah, what do you mean by grace? What do Absolutely. you believe about mm -hmm. What do you believe about the atonement? I think I love that. When you're listening to them, you know? Mm -hmm. yes. That yes, goes back absolutely. to what you said about treating them as a person and not a project. Absolutely. You need to. Absolutely. They're a person, not a project. You develop a relationship. You ask questions. You just, by doing all these things, you're showing that you're interested in them mm -hmm. and that you're not trying to take them from, hi, I just met you to the cross in one conversation. Mm -hmm. It's, it is about building a relationship with them. It is about loving them and actually loving them. You know, with, if they got something going on in their life, you're there for them. You need to earn the right to speak into their life mm -hmm. before you can address any of these differences because they, at the core, do not trust anyone outside of Mormonism. That's, that's the way the culture is. You know, Pretty much everybody is an anti until you prove that you're not an anti. Hmm. You know, I'm wondering, Carrie, you were just talking about um, defining terms and asking them, what do you mean by that? Do you think that most um, Mormons have a good understanding of their Mormon doctrine? I would say no, <laughs> that most Mormons don't. I know I certainly did not have a good understanding of the depth of Mormon doctrine, LDS doctrine. And so that's another thing. When we talk about Mormon, actually, we do need to define that term as well, because there are many sects within Mormonism. Hmm. So when I say Mormon, I mean LDS. Mm. But there are other sects of Mormonism, such as the FLDS, such as the RLDS. So you really have to define that as well. So if someone introduces themselves to you and says, I'm a Mormon, you can't assume LDS, which is the mainstream Brigham Young Mormonism. Mm. You kind of need to ask them, oh, okay, are you LDS? Are you FLDS? Are you RLDS? <laughs> Are you community of Christ? Um, because they're all from that beginning with Joseph Smith, um, mm. but they do have key doctrinal differences. So within mainstream Brigham Young LDS, I would say that the common layperson um, does not know the depth of Mormon doctrine mm. and that has to be researched. And that is one of the really crippling things for an ex-Mormon to come to terms with because there's a lot to it and a, a lot of things that you are not taught. And when you find it out, you're like, wait, what? What? Mm. 
And so it can be, it is very difficult. It is very difficult. I still, after all these years, after all my research, everything I've learned, I still, every once in a while go, I believed that. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, so like, you know, I think some, there's things out there that, um, average plugged in Christians kind of know that is within Mormonism, like for example, the celestial planets and that kind of stuff. Does the average Mormon know that this is in their doctrine, stuff like that? Is that the kind of stuff that they find out and go, Whoa, what? I'm surprised. um, Is that the kind of stuff who finds out? Uh, Like a a believing Mormon. Is this the kind of thing that you're referring to? That's like depth of doctrine that they're not really aware of right away. No, no, the celestial kingdom, all Mormons know about the celestial okay, kingdom. Okay, okay. That's the goal. That is the goal post. Oh, That's okay. That's what are shooting for. Gotcha. So, no, they all know about the celestial kingdom. No, it would be other things. Um, they do believe, they do, I think most Mormons, the average Mormon probably does know and believe in um, eternal progression. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, you are going to be working towards achieving a godhood, uh-huh. um, both now and in the eternities. Um, but um, I think most typical Mormons probably don't know or don't believe that part of the doctrine mm. is that... God Elohim dwells dwells on a star near the planet Kola. And so when a Christian tries to tell them that, they're like, no, we don't believe that. <laughs> you know, you're crazy. Okay. Um, so when you when you want to get into the deep LDS doctrine, that you have to make sure that you have a relationship with that person, Mm -hmm. that they are questioning, that they are asking Mm -hmm. you questions. Well, what do you believe about this? What do you, you know, they have to be in that place because if you don't have that in place already, they are, you are going to be labeled an anti. Mm -hmm. They -hmm. will not talk to you. They will not talk to you. They will be nice to you. They are the nicest people in the world. Oh my gosh. The LDS people are so, they're a beautiful people. Mm -hmm. They really are. You know, they're very helpful. They totally believe in community and helping your mm-hmm. neighbor. They will bring you cookies. They will babysit your kids. They will, you could get a Mormon missionary to paint your house if you really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> because they do believe in that. Mm. Um, you know, which, you know, I think sometimes some Christians could kind of take lessons from that. But, um, but you can't get into the deep theology until mm-hmm. you've established a relationship because there's a lot of things that it will rock their world. And, mm-hmm. and you cannot do that to a person mm-hmm. without them having a safety net. So just like you don't want to lead, you don't want to go in with, hey, you're in a cult. Let's talk about it. You also don't exactly. want to go it. You don't want to start in the first conversation with, hey, I just learned you believe this. That's crazy. <laughs> want to talk just- about that? <laughs> Right. No, because they will literally look just at you shuts and say, it down. you're crazy. Yeah. yeah, they will shut you down. You're yeah. crazy. In their mind, they are now going, oh, she's an anti and mm-hmm. you will never have an opportunity with them again. Mm. Ever. Yeah. It will be done. Yeah. Uh, we actually have had Mormon neighbors 
for almost 20 years, different ones. We just always, always have Mormon neighbors and they are just very wonderful. And, you know, I pray for them and, and we have conversations and I love it when they ask us questions. I'm encouraged by that. But one thing you've referred to, Carrie, and this is a question that a lot of girls in the group had. Are there misconceptions about Mormons, um, even maybe what they believe that the average Christians have? Or, you know, is there misrepresentations of them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I would say that the common one that I encounter so much and other ex-Mormons tell me they encounter as well. So I know it's not just me. Um, that by and large, I think the biggest one is that, uh, that Christians have about Mormonism is that Mormonism is Christianity with some extra stuff. Mm. That would be the biggest misconception that Christians have about Mormonism. I had a gentleman tell me that earlier today. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's just Christianity with some extra stuff added mm. in. And I just wanted to slap my forehead with my hand and just be like, oh, Lord, Jesus, help me. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> it's not. Mm -hmm. uh, but Mormons don't believe that, you know, they don't, they believe that they are Christians. So the common misconception that Christians have about Mormonism is that Mormonism is Christianity with some extra stuff. Hmm. Um, another misconception. And I think this comes from, because in Christianity, it has a fine set of beliefs and they don't, you know, another one would be Mormonism has a closed canon and closed revelations they don't. So when having relationships with people, whether they are in your family or your friends or your neighbors, your coworkers, you need to keep that in mind that they don't have a codified set of beliefs. They believe in ongoing revelation. The doctrine can change. Mm. Whereas in Christianity, the core Christian essentials, they do not change. Mm-hmm what it says it is not going to change is that why there was polygamy um previously among the main sect of mormonism and and that went away because that doctrine changed yes that's exactly why the practice of polygamy changed and that is another common misconception that christians have about mormons is that you know, all Mormons believe in and practice polygamy. And that is absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. The doctrine of polygamy was done away with in, um, gosh, I can't remember what year now. It was done away with twice, actually, in the late 1800s and then again in like 1904. So within mainstream LDS, now FLDS do practice polygamy that has not gone away for them because they do not believe that the abolishment of it was a revelation from God. So that is when the FLDF split off from the LDS. So, but mainstream Mormons do not believe in eter in earthly polygamy. Now, what a lot of Mormons may not know, so this goes back to the other questions about, you know, what doctrines do current 
believing Mormons not know. So one of the doctrines that they may not know about their belief system is that in the eternal realm, the three kingdoms of heaven, you can be a polygamist. You can be sealed to more than one wife and have multiple wives. And that's actually kind of one of the goals for men in Mormonism. Hmm. Um, but especially cultural Mormons probably won't really know that. So that kind of answers a couple of questions there. So don't go in assuming that they practice polygamy. Not all Mormons live in Utah. Um, <laughs> not all people who live in Utah are Mormons. <laughs> um, Utah, the current population is about 64% Mormon. So there's a, you know, a chunk that's not Mormon. Um, and the vast majority of Mormons don't live in Utah, don't live in the United States. So, mm. you know, that's another misconception, you know. I, I lived in Utah when I was a kid for a few years, and ever since then, people were like, oh, you live in Utah, so are you a Mormon? And I was like, uh -huh. oh, yes, I was a Mormon, but not because I lived in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're from, I mean, you live right now close to where I grew up, and there was a very large Mormon population. You, when I was growing up, I always had Mormon friends that I went to school with the more the Mormon church was directly across the street from our high school so they went to seminary before school every morning and um you know so there's even other places within the United States where they they do have a large percentage of Mormons hmm. yes I think um if I'm remembering the statistics statistics correctly outside of utah the next largest population of mormons is i believe in idaho um and then after after that there's there are huge populations of of lds in arizona um i believe another one is montana there are um you know somewhat large populations of LDS in Texas. Um, California did used to be uh, a very large population for the LDS, um, specifically in the Inland Empire area of Southern mm -hmm. California because yep, where I'm Brigham from. Young, yeah, and that's where I live now. Uh, Brigham Young sent pioneers specifically to the area and to settle it. And so um, the entire IE pretty much, the entire Inland Empire area pretty much was settled by Mormons, uh, LDS pioneers originally, especially the San Bernardino area. They, the LDS church at one time owned pretty much all of San Bernardino. Wow. <laughs> so I didn't know that. It used to be very large. Yeah, it used to be very large here. Um, the, the LDS, the active. LDS population in California has dropped um, pretty drastically. I want to say that California is now only like the 12th state in oh, terms okay. of LDS population. So it used to be higher. I know that um, it's dropped a lot. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this um, last question. There, I know that you do a lot with apologetics, and I'm in a group that you're that you have for women. 
doing apologetics. Are there any books for the person out there that says, I've got a Mormon loved one, I've got a Mormon neighbor, I want to understand this better? Are there any books that you would recommend? Oh, absolutely. There are so, there are so many books. Um, it's, it's actually kind of amazing. So, um, one book that I would recommend is the book that I read when I was 22, uh, Secret Ceremonies, A Mormon Woman's Intimate Diary of Marriage and Beyond. Uh, that was, um, an eye-opening account of, her life. It was, it's an autobiography. Um, and then when you want to get into, oh, another autobiography would be Unveiling Grace by Lynn Wilder. That is a contemporary account of um, what it is like being a Mormon and then leaving. And that book is actually a truly wonderful book. My mom um, read that book before she passed away and it helped her tremendously with understanding some of the key differences between LDS doctrine and biblical historical Christianity, because my mom really struggled with, with the key differences for a very long time. Um, so that one is one I highly recommend. Um, if someone wants to get into how to witness to missionaries, then I highly recommend getting a manual and DVD set that's put together by a Christian church in Utah. And the set is called Missionary 911. And it was done by Main Street Church of Brigham City in Utah. And that is a fabulous resource. It's like taking a crash course in how to witness to the missionaries. Another one is a video that anyone can find on YouTube. Uh, it's called The Bible versus Joseph Smith. And that is a fabulous documentary. Um, it's an hour and a half, couple hours long. And that one is um, two men sitting down together to go over the differences between what the Bible says and what Joseph Smith said. And it is probably the best example I have ever seen in my life of First Peter 3.15, of giving an answer, but with doing it with gentleness and respect, because this Christian man lays everything out so beautifully, so perfectly for the LDS man, but he is so gentle and respectful to him that it just, it made me cry <laughs> because you don't, you don't see that a whole lot. Um, another great resource just came out this month and it is called sharing the good news with Mormons, practical strategies for getting the conversation started. It's written by Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell, and that has chapters written by different people from different coming from different places of witnessing to Mormons. So there's a lot of tips in that about how to witness to Mormons, whether they're strangers or people who are close to you. So those I think my friend um, Andrew Rappaport actually contributed to that book too. I think he did too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have quite a few friends that have contributed to the book. So, so I've, I've, I've heard about, about that one. Yeah. It's, it's really great. I highly recommend it. And again, that one's contemporary. It just came out um, this month. 
And then, of course, um, you know, we have our Christian women apologists group on Facebook. And, you know, there are some apologetics groups that don't really discuss Mormonism and how to witness, but we do. Um, We have quite a few ex-Mormon women in that group. And so they are an amazing resource. So if any of your listeners, you know, are evangelical Protestant Christian women, they can join up with us in that group and they'll get some great, great tips, you know, from people who are in the trenches doing it every single day. Yeah. And everything that you've mentioned here, I'm going to link in the episode notes. So you're like, I can't remember what she said. I'm going to link all of it. I'll also link her group for the ladies. If you're interested in apologetics, there's a lot of great conversations in there, a lot of great resources. It's a great place to ask questions if you're looking for a resource. Um, And not just on Mormonism, on about anything when you're out sharing the gospel with different people and um, needing some some resources or encouragement. So I would link that. Well, Carrie, thank you so much. This was just wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I think so helpful to our audience. I know so many people are excited about this episode and I think it will be, will be helpful. I think so, so many people do have Mormons in their lives, whether it's uh, a friend or loved one or a coworker or a neighbor and so I think this is very helpful or, mm-hmm. or they've had the missionaries come to their door and mm-hmm. they're like, I don't know what to do. You know, the missionaries mm-hmm. are at my door. So I yeah. think this is going to be so helpful and we appreciate you um, so much for coming on. And to our listeners, we're going to, like I said, I'm going to link everything in the episode notes and we will see you next week.